Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am Harrison Starr, a.k.a. Boilerhawk. This evening, or whenever you're listening to it, I am joined by Max Brecky. Max, how you doing? I'm alive, unfortunately. Ah, um, uh, not wow. unfortunately. Wow. Holy <laughs> shit. We're, we're getting dark. Let's do it. I haven't, been here, I haven't been here in a while, so this is my therapy. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. And Ben, that's Ben Ross, everyone. How you doing, too? Fan-fucking-tastic. We beat Iowa State. All is right in the world. I concur more with uh, Ben in terms of feeling fantastic <laughs> than uh, Max. A little a little Eeyore-y uh, tonight. But you know what? That, that's Max's brand. I don't think it would be a, a real podcast without Max uh, kind of being a little solemn. Even though both the Bears and uh, Hawkeyes won. The Bears and the Cubs both scored 16 today. People forget that. Mr. Brisky still hasn't thrown a touchdown. No, he's bad. Yep. So is Kirk Cousins, for what it's worth. It's true. Oh, yeah. He's so Oh, bad. yeah. But, Max, you were in Ames uh, for the weekend, drove down from uh, your stead in um, the Minneapolis area. How, how, how was it uh, down I-35? Uh, so we stayed with our one of my buddy's brothers has a house in Des Moines, so we stayed there and we drove up early on Saturday morning. Uh, from all accounts, I didn't see, I didn't do any of the game day stuff just because we figured it was going to be an absolute cluster over there, and from what I've heard, it absolutely was. But um, I think that they said that they were expecting like 150,000 people in Ames on Saturday, and it was packed to the brim. Absolutely, it was a. I mean, it was a good time for being in Ames. Um, certainly helped. With that. There was plenty of fellow Hawkeyes and plenty of alcohol involved. But uh, it was a, it was a good time. Except for yeah, it's yeah no 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 it was a good time. Except for the weather delays, those were bad. Yeah, those yeah, sucked. Uh, I am shocked. I thought after the second weather delay they were going to cancel the game. I am shocked we got the game in. It took forever. I mean, I was just telling Ben before we started that during the second weather delay, we hung out at the bar we were at for just a little bit longer, um, decided that we didn't want to be there anymore, and uh, figured out who was able to drive us back to Des Moines. We drove from Ames to Des Moines, hung out for a bit, and then the game still hadn't started by the time that we got to another place to watch the game in Des Moines, so like... It was a, the longest weather delay. I never thought that that game would start up again. But it did start. And, uh, <laughs> Christ, uh, I had to find my new button on here. And, and I was uh, wondering why everybody was so quiet. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have to be happy with the way that w- w- uh, win was. What were some of the sights you saw in Ames that uh, stuck out to you, Max, uh, pre-gaming and everything, walking around? Um, 
sites for the game. It was raining a little bit. That wasn't fun. Um, it was. I didn't realize it was pouring. It really wasn't for a while. It started when we were in the middle of our drive back. It wasn't really a huge problem while we were there, though. Like, I mean, steady mist. I mean, game for day was beautiful on TV, and I didn't realize it was pouring until they showed like the lights or on TV in the first quarter. It was just coming down. It looked like at least. Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was like a slight, steady rain pretty much the entirety of the day, and then out of nowhere, in the middle of our return back to Des Moines, it was just crazy raining. I, like, And from what I understand, it wasn't really even raining that much while the weather delay was going on. There was just lightning in the area. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy from my perspective. Uh, to I know, Ben, we were texting a little bit, and... I had really just resigned myself to the fact that too many weird things had happened that, uh, um, you know, there was just no way that Iowa was going to be able to pull it out. So um, for me, it was just like, all right, this is just chaos. Let's just get this game over with. Let's not get anyone else injured. Um, but overall, I, I was super happy at the end of it. And I think that's really kind of... My main takeaway is I didn't necessarily expect to be this happy about a win this early in the season, but um, that's kind of where I stand with this. Like, I just super happy for Nate Stanley uh, going three and zero, two and zero in Ames. I, I would be curious to find the numbers on that. How many quarterbacks are two and zero in Ames for Hawkeye starters? Probably a um, lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. N- not a lot of recent ones, but probably a lot. <clears throat> I mean, it's just so few three-year starters yeah yeah i mean that's really what it comes down to with that and like even you think about drew tate uh he played in three games i'm not sure if it worked out the way but he had one loss so um really just happy for him Uh, ivory kelly martin was off of the uh i don't know like the storage unit kirk and brian brought him out and he did some things which was uh, a little bit of a surprise, and Tyler Goodson for me, he's kind of the the sneaky breakout offensive player that's like hiding in plain sight right now. It feels like we're about to have a Tyler Goodson game. Yeah, no, I really like what I've seen from him, and I mean, especially that one. I mean, everybody's been kind of talking about that one play at the end where he went and he stiff armed the hell out of an all Big Twelve safety in uh, Ainsworth, but like. He he looks good. He I mean he I don't I didn't really expect a whole lot from him from what I understood when, when he was being recruited. He was, you know, a really good um running back in Georgia, but I don't feel like, you know, he was very heralded for his ability like his speed and his cutback ability and it he looked like, you know, an already up to size Akron Wadley kind of out there. Maybe not as elusive, but he's looking nice. Was he he wasn't a four star, was he? Was he fringe four star? No, he was for sure three. Um, but it was like that weird three star where he was like all state. Like I mean, it, it's wild for him to be like an all state Georgia player, maybe even player of the year. I, yeah, I know he, he has like. Raid. It, it's just weird how that works out sometimes. Like <laughs> a, a player, they they talk about this all the time. Iowa does not get players of his ability typically from states like Georgia. So seeing him just kind of show out and start doing some things, yeah, I, I think that Ainsworth had a. A really good game otherwise uh but tyler goodson probably has a, a fun fun background right now and just really quickly not enough people are talking about it but 
the block that Tracy threw on that dude on the outside that sealed that hey, edge for him. Hey. Huge block. Love that, that block. I wrote that down I even, that, yeah. Down even. Um, what I wanted to insert into the running back conversation right now is upon rewatching the game today, the thing that stuck out to me the most is how good Makai Sargent is at blocking. It's, he, picked, he saved Nate Stanley's ass at least three times from planting just three great blocks, protection, taking on a linebacker with a full head of steam. Uh, that can't be... Um, that's got to be highly valued. That's why he's getting reps. And uh, and I don't know, you know, Torn Young was hardly on the field. He only got four carries. I'd like to see how many snaps he got. Um, but it seems like maybe now every Kelly Martin has jumped him in the depth chart. I think yeah. it's just going to be with the running backs, kind of who's got the hot hand yeah. from that 2-3-4 yeah. perspective, um, especially now that Goodson's quote-unquote in the Army. Uh, I, I think what it seemed like was Brian had kind of evaluated the field conditions and trusted that, hey, let's just get the speed out there that we can get one cut and go, maybe do a little bit of counter stuff. Um, and, and Sergeant, yeah, I know he had that uh, potential wrist injury, but he was good to go and he looked like it. You brought up Sergeant's blocking and it feels like we talk about it every podcast. But the thing that stuck out to me, I think it was a fourth quarter drive they brought a blitz up uh, the center, and it, and it seemed like he blocked two people somehow. I mean, this guy is amazing at that. Yeah, no, he's really solid. I mean, he's obviously that's the reason why he's kind of been the not necessarily the primary even back the entire time he's been in Iowa City, but for, I mean, a good chunk of the time that he's been around, he's been kind of the, especially the third down back at least, and his pass protection has been obvious you know, obviously the reason why you can't really say much else about it. He's, you know, solidified himself from day one in Iowa city as a great, uh, pass blocker. And, you know, that's only helped him in the eyes of Ferentz because that's all Ferentz cares about is can you block and maybe some other stuff, but not really. It turns out maybe it's important when, if, uh, you know, maybe we, 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 we value overvalue perhaps blocking and a running back or receiver, but that's what makes, the offense tick, and uh, it's 3-0, and we're going to ride that wave. We are going to ride that wave. Uh, ben, I, I know you said you had written down some uh, other things that you liked. What, was Sargent's blocking one of them, or, or uh, shall we kind of go down your list? It was Sargent's blocking. Uh, it was definitely number one. Number two, not a good thing. Uh, defense, and I don't know if it's by design. It kind of feels like it was, but maybe not, just getting pressure on Purdy. Um, did not uh, love that. Apparently, Morehouse just tweeted that only 13 players saw the defense uh, yeah. played uh, for Iowa, on, which I have a hard time believing. I haven't seen any snap counts yet, but I mean, you—it's not that it's not as bad because they had so much rest, I guess, in the game. But so that means you had 11 starters. And then I don't even know—I don't know who the two rotational players were, but that means nobody else saw the field. Brady, we know Brady Reef was out, so we were thin on the interior defensive line. Uh, Davion Nixon never really got any push. Uh, AJ, AJE, he went into coverage a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And it, one of the times resulted in a uh, tip pass. So, and that was really unique. Uh, I love whether, you know, he, and he had the pressure that led to a pretty um, third down bad throw. He had somebody wide open uh, in the fourth quarter. So his, you know, he's not impacting the box score, the stat sheet, the way you think, but he, it's still profound what he's been able to do. 
on the defense. Jimon Colbert is, I still might be, he might be my new, he's creeping into after AJE. I think he might be the most important player on Iowa's defense. Um, him, Welch, and Neiman, all three of them played really good games. Uh, and then offensively, you just can't say enough about um, the, everybody. The, the offensive line did great. The running backs did great. Um, the receivers, everybody with the blocking, Amir Smith-Marset, the third and 22. Uh, I mean, that's more Nate Stanley, but Smith-Marset being able to come down, get separation, come down with that ball, and I'm going to steal, I mean, your... Nugget is the most interesting thing to me the entire game is I think Nate Stanley was the best player on the field yesterday without question. Yeah, I, I thought it just kind of uh, this morning when I woke up, I just kept kind of thinking he finally had some chutzpah. Like I like that, that third... Uh, he he I think took it was, control of the game the way we've never seen him take control of the game before. Yeah, he... I mean, he figured it out as it went on. Early on, I think he was kind of shaky. And, I mean, obviously that you can't get into a rhythm while the game's barely being played, but... You know, after they figured it out and after they got finally in that rhythm, he looked really good. And, you know, that's something that we haven't seen from him in the games where he struggled early. I mean, to an extent, he hasn't been able to put it together late in the game generally. And, you know, that was really good to see him kind of knuckle down and do that. I only counted one really bad overthrow. Um, there are a couple that were up in the air, but I think it might have been his definitely, maybe not statistically, obviously, but because, uh, you know, Ohio State's there, but. Probably his best game. I, I I was thinking that too, and and I was just wondering if it's like, uh, kind of with our predictions. I I thought, hey, is Iowa just kind of go, gonna go with that Mississippi State game plan? And you saw it. You saw a lot of shotgun out of Nate Stanley. I don't have that specific count, snap count right in front of me, but um, uh, you saw a lot of that. There were series where they would go five to six or seven plays straight with uh the shotgun one receiver or one running back one tight end just kind of spreading the field a little bit I think Brian's done a good job of getting him involved I I think Stanley is kind of the guy like Andrew Luck who always wanted to get hit to feel like he was finally playing a game and I think these early uh designed runs for Stanley is a good way to just kind of get him into the game uh instead of just trying to you know, hope that he kind of connects and goes about it a different way. He just played football, um, and I, I did these third down stats, and, and I think it's really pretty interesting. One, Iowa just had a, a, a lot more third down conversions. I think they were 10 of 19 overall. Uh, Iowa State was 3 of 8 or 9. Uh, that'll happen when you have big plays. But Stanley, 7 of 10, 70 yards, 3 runs, 27 yards, all told he moved the chains eight times on third down, which to me is just, it's huge. I wrote down third down conversions too because they went two for 13 last week against Rutgers, which partially was because of the field uh, field field situ- field, uh, field position, um, partially. But I, that was my biggest concern for the Rutgers game was not being able to convert, move the chains on third down and 10 for 19. That's how you win football games. Um, going over 50, 50% on third down, that is how you win football games and Awesome. I loved it. He, uh, these, those are the, the stats you just spat out. They were his third down stats, 7 for 10 on third down for how many yards? 70 yards. So, yeah, 7 yards. Uh, that, that should get, If we're, you know, third and – that's third and medium is fucking Kirk Ferentz's hallmark. And <coughs> being, I'm serious. And being able it to is, move, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Being able to move the chains then, that's – that. yeah. You can't say enough how important that is to winning football games. And I think 
kind of you you do the the lineup of the stats and it looks like Iowa State really kind of took control statistically and I think that's kind of the hallmark of a classic Kirk Ferentz win is hey you can have those big plays but hopefully we contain them we'll let you dink and dunk and if if the Coverage breaks down once or twice, that's fine. You'll get a chance to make the play. Purdy, to his credit, did. But they also made a lot of um, kind of bad plays, like uh, administrative errors. Purdy had that fumble, which felt like a totally game-changing play. That was when I had really just kind of settled into, you know, Iowa just doesn't have it. It was right before half, um, and he fumbled it. Iowa got the ball five minutes left, and, and maybe we want to talk about uh, the game management from here on out. Cause I do have uh, a counterpoint. Um, I've been kind of thinking about oh, with, no. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how about you set the table for your point here? Tell, tell yes. us what's going on. Yeah. So I got the ball back five minutes and really, I, I think Kirk Ferentz, his mission to Brian was not to allow Iowa state to get the ball back in that half. Just run out the clock don't do anything stupid. If we get to a position where um, we can score, we'll take it. But let's just get to halftime because Iowa State was receiving the ball to begin the second half. He didn't want to take uh, a four-point deficit and turn it into potentially an 18-point deficit. So you kind of saw the play calling go that way. And Sargent broke that 22-yard run, got him close to midfield. And at this point, they still are just like, okay, we we feel comfortable that at least Iowa State isn't going to score. Which, you know, it, it's not aggressive, but it is what it is. And then they finally get down into like that 30-yard range. And I took note of this during the rewatch because I remember being really kind of mad with the passes that Stanley threw in that situation under 20 seconds or whatever time frame it was. Over the middle, real short passes... Um, but the play calls were designed, it seemed, like he was looking downfield towards the end zone and had to come back to the lower progressed route. So um, I'm like, you're this close. Why don't you throw one into the end zone? I think he was looking for it, and it just wasn't there, and Iowa got the three points. It wasn't necessarily good because, obviously, seven points is better than three, but I think for the game management, that was exactly what Iowa needed at that time. Hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I just don't understand how you don't, you know, we had the same conversation about timeouts last week and everything. And <clears throat> I just don't get it. I And also, like, from a psychological standpoint, I mean, don't you, if your players, you, I, to me, it's kind of laying up or conceding. Um, just being ha- complacent, rather. And I don't think that sends... Uh, I'm not a fucking football coach. I'm not Kirk Ferentz, but I don't like the message it sends to the players that maybe they don't have the confidence in you um, to go and score with this, you know, very... on a shitty field and very preca- precarious situation. I, however, I couldn't have been happier. I was shocked we were down... It was 7-6 at half, right? To, that the field goal made it 7-6. Yeah. Like, that was, you're right. I mean, that was a win to me. Being down only, being only down one going into half was a huge win. I think now that I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into your theory now, I suppose, um, 
I think I just think you have to go, you know, try and score points when especially that point. You knew points are going to be a premium in that game on that field. You try, I think you just got to try and score, but I guess I'm less upset with it now that you sort of now that we're talking about it out loud. And that's sort of the whole point of this, isn't it? I yeah. think so. I mean, yeah. Go, go ahead, Max. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, and I mean, like, I understand the philosophy of just getting points, just don't give the ball back to Iowa State and let them, you know, potentially blow this thing open with two quick possessions, one at the end of the half and one at the beginning of the next half. Like, obviously, you know, as it's obvious, uh, you know, to what, uh, seven points is better than three points. Sorry, I'm currently listening to people scream next door to me, and it's very, very distracting. Uh, um, but yeah, no, so I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously seven is better than three, six is better than three, whatever the case you want to call it, but just get points, get out of that half. Iowa really didn't have any momentum in that half outside of, you know, the, you know, the big run by Sargent, um, you know, with, on that final drive, but just get the points, try to, you know, get salvage something in that situation. And it's obviously, you know clock management it's easy to critique it from being outside that situation but and it's we've talked about it time after time after time with Iowa football just what was that clock management but you know maybe I think this is one of those times where I was like I could kind of and when Harrison when you explain it like that it makes sense yeah and and I mean I, I think that it doesn't absolve Kirk of other criticisms with his time management, particularly the end of game scenario, I thought that that was just criminal. I, I think that Brian still hasn't converted a a two point conversion. I think it's seven or oh, eight yeah. plays. Like that. they they brought that up. Um, it's it just like there there are some very like high leverage situations where Iowa still hasn't quite figured it out. Which I mean, he's done it for twenty years. Is he ever going to figure it out? Probably not. Um, but we did see, like, in 2017, Brian was very good at those uh, end-of-half situations to go in and, and score points. And, and he did do it here to, to that credit and to that point. Um, but but I think, I don't know, as we kind of play through the second half, you know, Iowa was very good at, like, just playing almost an emotionless game. Like, they were never too high, never too low. Gave up the two big plays to DJ Johnson's side. Not all his fault, I don't think. Um, especially that that double pass where Geno Stone also bit um, in the first half. But uh, you know, I think you take that. You take that for DJ Johnson's first start, right? Yeah. You no, have to. I mean, you absolutely he have to. he made that mistake and he learned from that mistake. You know, he was lights out most of the rest of that game. So like. Hell yeah, you know, especially in a victory, that's perfectly fine. I mean, yeah, so Purdy's stats, uh, you just mentioned this, you're cutting it out. Um, He had, you know, 276 yards passing and 76 of those yards came on that, you know, mental lapse by Johnson. So, I mean, you can't, it's dumb to take out the stats, you know, but then he only has 200 yards, which is how many Stanley had passing. Um, This game was a defensive slugfest, really. And uh, I think it's part of the, just the weird, the wackiness of it, the field conditions in addition to the, these teams sat on their thumbs for combined three hours, right? Those are the combined delays for three hours. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, so I can't imagine being like that as a football player. Wasn't there a tweet like, O.J. Moody, I took a nap or something? Yeah, yeah that was something that Lysa Cow wrote this morning, I believe. Uh, hilarious. 
I, I, I cannot believe we won. I really can't. I, I'm shocked we won that game. Uh, the only I thought if the I, when we scored on the opening drive on a field goal, I thought we were going to run it down their throats. I, that's the only that's the first time I thought we were going to win the game. And then after that, after the first delay, I never thought we were going to win the game again until the muffed punt. That yeah, long? It was... Yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Did you you really you were you had more confidence than I did? You didn't feel that way. I thought in the, I was rereading our text and I thought we were on the same page there. I. Maybe it was just, I felt like throughout much of that fourth quarter, Kirk had, he was right in the game he wanted to play. I don't know if that meant I was more comfortable, but I think he was, that's, I mean, I think if you gave Kirk Barron's a one possession game or tighter in a fourth quarter, that would be his ideal football game is, all right, let's see how it looks in the, at the end of this quarter. Didn't you write a piece last year that he's really bad in one possession games? He is horrible. Yeah. He's horrible. But I think there there is, like, I, I hate playing this mental game to it, but, like, there is something to Matt Campbell not being able to get over the hump of Iowa football as it is right now. And he's got other humps he has to worry about with the Big 12 and whatnot. But I think that that first win is going to be harder and harder for him to get just because that mental weight in the mental block. Like, I, I think it's maybe an equivalent. I, I think you look at Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and them being unable to uh, beat Ohio State. And obviously it's different because of when beating Ohio State puts you in a position where you're going to play for the Big Ten Championship. So it means more in that respect. But they went and retooled their offense because they can't beat Michigan or they can't beat Ohio State. And I don't think we'll see Matt Campbell come out and retool anything to beat Iowa. I think that uh, I was emailing Stoops, and his point was when you're in the Big 12, there's kind of a tolerance for these more high-variance plays, whether it's the the big catch-and-runs or the big just rushing plays, including also turnovers. So when you play a team like Iowa, who is elite at valuing the ball. They were like in the top 20 of turnover margin last year. I imagine they're doing really well this year. I don't think they've turned it over once, have seven or eight uh, in the plus column. And Iowa State was in the 80s. So right now, I think that Iowa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is just well positioned to, to beat Iowa State co- coming from the two different conferences. Yeah, and I think that's kind of been the biggest knock on uh, on Matt Campbell's teams early in the season is that they're incredibly undisciplined. You know, this was a problem that they had last year in Iowa City. It's, I mean, I'm not even going to uh, mention the game the year before that where they absolutely, no, wait, sorry, I'm thinking of 2016 where they blew the brakes off of them in Iowa City. Uh, right? Uh, no, 2016. Yeah, no, that was, it was like, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, oh, okay. so I'm not even going to count that one just because that was such a shitty Iowa State team. But, like, I mean, that's been the biggest knock on, I think, Matt Campbell's teams early on in the season is they've just been relatively undisciplined, and especially this year. Uh, you know, that stupid punt return gaffe at the end of that game, the fumble. You know, otherwise they were pretty good at maintaining the ball this time around, but, you know, it's it looked bad against you and I in that respect as well. 
uh, yeah, I want, and then going back, it's, I mean, two two turnovers and uh, in Iowa's favor. We didn't turn the ball over once. Purdy, uh, we dared Purdy to beat us with his arms. Uh, we, I think he had 40 rushing yards in the first half, maybe, and then only eight in the second half. Um, let me see this. Yeah, he had about, yeah, about 25 in the first half. We only, he had eight in the second half only. Um, the, he got sacked by the turf because those Iowa State fans were rolling around on it you know, during the, uh, during the breaks, which we can talk yeah. about. I think that is absolutely asinine. I think they should have been so I, stupid. I can't believe, like, I feel like Iowa state should have been assessed a penalty. I don't know how you could do it, but like from the sa- from a safety standpoint of the fans, I guess, like if they, you know, rolled an ankle, they could easily sue Iowa state. Uh, first of all, second of all, you're making a dicey field situation already even worse you know, you could have sacked your own goddamn quarterback, Iowa State fans. So nice job, good effort. And if that was us, <laughs> if that was Iowa fans pulling that shit, we would not hear the end of it at all. Yeah, and I think it's really funny. I saw, I think it was Hassel made a comment about how they weren't penalized or anything like that when the second half started or when the when play resumed. Uh, and they, uh, Iowa State fans were just all up in his mentions, just defending the hell out of it, like. Don't be stupid. That's stupid. At least they got their field rush in. <laughs> oh, nice. God. I stole that from oh, someone. Okay. I was going to ask if you did yeah, that. I'd seen no, that. No, I, I forgot. Awesome. Vint said I that. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I think it was Vint. I don't remember who said that, but oh, I did see that on Twitter, like, too. That's awesome. Um, one more thing I want to talk about, too, since we were on the punt. Somebody, I think there's a high school football coach who comments on our site, and he said that Michael, he was able to, he was at the game. And he he watched the punt in the air uh, that ended the game, and he said that he was able to knuckleball it the same way a pitcher does, where it's uh... changing directions. So it changed directions in the sky, forcing Iowa State's returner uh, to make to field it uh, in a different spot than he possibly called to the team, which um, set up the fumble. Uh, and you can't put a price on that. That and I've never even thought about that uh, from a punting situation. Really neat comment that made me think um, this Michael Sleep Dalton guy's got the future uh, punting on Sundays. If that's if that's true, if that's if he was able to do that, because that's that's fucking awesome. That's some cool X's and O's stuff that I haven't even you know learned something new every day, boys and girls. You do, yeah. and, and to oh sorry, Max, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to bring because yeah, the the actual thinking of it, it it's just wild because we last year Ratstetter. You knew exactly where he was punting oh, it. Ugh. You knew it was like kind of straight lines. Even Corsack, uh last week, he ran. He like he did like he was going to do a rugby punt right, and he punted it all the way over to the left. So like I mean, they're teaching these guys down in Australia just stuff we could never think of. And just to kind of round this punting discussion out with statistics, Iowa's net was eighteen yards better than Iowa State's. And that is the yardage. Like, if you gave Kirk Ferentz, hey, it's two first will downs. Net, yep, it's two first downs every time you trade punts. And they had four, Iowa had five. Um, really just kind of wild to, to see that when I did it. Did that yeah. math earlier today. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Iowa special teams this year, minus maybe punt returning. Very good so far. I mean, it's been three games out of 12, so obviously small sample size, but... It's light years ahead of where it was last year in the punting game, at least. And uh, 
Sorry. Keith Duncan. I keep wanting to say Duncan oh, yeah. Keith so bad. <laughs> Every time I have to like oh, think I about it before think about I say that. it. That's hilarious. Every time I have to think about it. Um, but yeah, Keith Duncan, I mean, he's looked great as well. And that's not necessarily a surprise since he was so good in 2016. But like he's even being able to kick it from, you know, somewhat of distance. He was not trusted with that at all a few years back. So, you know, that's really nice to see too. I mean, after Stanley, Keith Duncan's the obvious MVP. And I mean, oh yeah, you could even argue that he was the MVP still. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I have, having to kick on wet field turf like that, or not field turf, but wet you know grass oh, yeah, you like that, it's got to be so hard. You're you totally. I wonder how that changes your kicking mechanics if you can't reliably plant your leg. I actually read an article on it about or about it on the Athletic the other day because they were talking about Bears kickers. Uh, in Soldier Field, and so I actually wrote a really interesting article, and maybe I'll forward it to you. Yeah, I wouldn't mind reading that. Um, I, I had no, I, I had major issues with Nico Regani at punt return against Rutgers, uh, and maybe it was just a Corsac thing. He was fine yesterday. I don't have a problem with anything he did. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't necessarily mentioning yesterday when I said that it hasn't been no, great I, I in the punt return game, but I know. Um, I mean, I think average. the thing we've seen Regain- with Regani though, is he hasn't made any of those really dumb errors. He He's made some things that I think you can probably coach out, like yeah. just being at the right depth, calling for fair catches at the right time. Uh, but he's secured punts every single time that he's had to catch it. So that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, to, to be able to, to uh, make sure that Iowa has the ball, it's like a rebound for basketball. Like, you can't score unless you have the ball and... You know, securing the punt is the first step in that. Secure the football. That's how you win games. Um, I don't have anything. The only other thing I have written down is we held the ball for 10 minutes longer than Iowa State. Uh, more time of possession stuff. Just I, Not necessarily time of possession, but just plays ran. Iowa's limited their opponents this season. I forget who said it and what the numbers were, but I think that this was the most plays they allowed in a, a game this season, and it was 55. Like, Iowa's... You Iowa know, State really, only ran 55 plays? 50-something, yeah. I think. I don't remember exactly what I saw, but it was a very small number of plays. I saw it on the drive back from uh, Iowa earlier. For but, context... I remember I covered the 2012 team um, that didn't the in the year that didn't happen, uh, and I think on average Iowa's defense allowed opponents to run around 77 plays. It was close to 80. oh my god, it was close yeah. to 80. Oh. That is huge. That is unbelievable. And it's allowed is them incredibly impressive. And it's allowed them not to get hurt on depth wise along both lines. True, like, that's a great point. Uh, they were probably targeting Epinesa for 45 to 55 snaps every game. Uh, hey, you haven't really had to sum them out with that those numbers. Um, so why why don't we go ahead and take a quick break here and then bring this discussion a little more macro? I'm not advertising anything this week. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, we are back. Uh, and really kind of, Ben, you, you brought this point up before we started recording, um, kind of what were your macro thoughts just about the game day atmosphere, what it overall meant for the state and both of these teams? Watching game, first of all, game day was awesome. Uh, I'm really happy for the city of Ames. 
you know, to have posted it because it looked awesome. Game day is always really cool. Uh, I watched all of last week's too, but particularly just I think it, them being able to they advertised it really well. What did we ever learn? What Eric Church's loose connections are to Iowa? They they don't even look for connections anymore when they bring these people in. Like they brought in the chain smokers like twice last year or something twice? like that. They're, I think it was, well, maybe it was just the last two years that they brought him in, but they don't even try. Was anymore. he in they Des Moines? Just... Was he in the area? Did they? He was fucking. He was violently hungover. Did they drag him? from wherever he was. <laughs> well, I saw the footage of him landing on his plane, so he wasn't anywhere near here as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, the the super loose connection is Eric Church and CJB's dad uh, probably wrote songs together. I think that's something Chris Hassel <laughs> maybe, maybe once again tweeted. <laughs> maybe wrote songs together. Uh, and it was, it was funny, Church, where... Um, Maria Taylor, I think, asked him as he was walking up. So, what's your what's your plan normally for these situations? Ah, normally you just cheer for or you pick the home team. Ah, so that's what you're gonna do this time? Nah. <laughs> that's funny. Was he the only yeah. guy who picked Iowa? Uh, no, I think that uh, Howard that picked Iowa State. I think and Howard also picked Iowa State. Uh, I think they let Herb Street pick, didn't they? Yeah, I think he picked Iowa. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, he, I, he, yeah, something about Big Ten football because he's a Big Ten country guy was his uh, quote, I think. Uh, so the game day thing was great. The the piece on Tyler Hillinski was you know tear jerker, amazing. Oh, I'm kind of tearing up right now talking about it. Uh, that was awesome. Everything about it was awesome. Uh, I can't. I don't know what they could have done any better. Um, too bad the weather made things weird, but. They did a great job. Good job, Iowa State, and fuck this one up. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was genuinely good. Like, I mean, obviously, I didn't go to the game they set, but like the atmosphere was just incredible. Uh, you know, with all of the Iowa and Iowa State fans, it was, I mean, as respectful as you can possibly imagine an Iowa Iowa State tailgate area to be. Um, and you know, it was just fun. Like, it was genuinely actually a good time to be around it. Yeah, I mean, watching it from my perspective on the couch, it, it was just a blast. Like, I felt good for the state. I, I thought they incorporated some of the, uh, I mean, the origin of the 1970s trophy. I mean, that was it, makes awesome. me want, it makes me want that guy to come back. Like, I mean, that thing was awesome. Uh, and it's, like, so beat up now. I'm like, this is what college football trophies should be about. It shouldn't be about you know, shilling for corporations. What but. was it? The Greater Des Moines Athletic Club or what was the fake thing? Yeah, the Greater Des Moines Athletic Club, something like that, that exists only in our hearts and on a sheet of paper. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was so funny. That and then what was the, then showing all the old Kinnick highlights was really cool too. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah. Or maybe maybe they weren't Kinnick maybe they were highlights from Iowa's 1956 championship team. I can't remember. That was the only I had the volume off of that um, part, but just uh, it's just black and white Iowa football stuff. So it's either an Iowa Kinnick or the national championship team. So cool, good radio. Yeah, uh, I think the point that I did see on um, Vince Twitter earlier today was, uh, "Hey, Iowa only went up one spot in the AP rankings, and does that matter?" Because this is the best Iowa State team that we've ever played against, yada, 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 or at least the most hyped. If 
Iowa isn't going to move the needle with a win any more than moving up because Michigan State lost in hilarious fashion. Oh, so uh, dumb. What happened I mean, there? Oh, we, we'll get to it. But um, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, it, it, stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. is there reason to keep playing? I, I mean, I think there is. So I mean, but I think the point he's making is if this isn't going to move the na- needle nationally, does it matter in that respect? You mean the Iowa State game? Yeah. I I, I don't care that we only moved up one spot. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. It's it's so if it, if this at the end of the year maybe, um, if this was if this game was being played on the typical rivalry week where in-state rivals play each other, uh, maybe. But it's the third week of the year. I don't think it matters. Just we got to do our job. We got we got the hated by our rivals this week and Middle Tennessee after that, and then Michigan, who hopefully who I don't know. I think they're gonna get absolutely steamrolled. Uh, they had a bye this week, but they play Wisconsin this weekend. And we, if we beat Michigan, we might not move. We might only move up one spot then, because Michigan might be, you know, really fake. <laughs> I'm serious. I, yeah. that, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the rankings don't mean anything, but you know, you'd like to see that, like, the national, like, national, like, writers and the national perception of this game means something like relevant and. I mean, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter, but looking back at the stupid out-of-order tweets that Twitter gives me now... Um, I think you can fix that. Yeah, I just don't want next. to, because now I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, you know, the whole thing is that nobody res- nobody thinks that anything seriously of this rivalry. It's just a bunch of people yelling, El Asico, over and over and over again yeah. into the void. So, like, nobody has any, you know, nobody cares about this rivalry other than the fact that these games are usually awful and this was another one of those weird kind of in a sense awful games because of the delays problem is that game was the definition of whatever Asico is um, because of the delays and everything which I know Harrison doesn't like the moniker for for good reasons um, you know it, it's Iowa just has to win the games I don't I think we are thinking about the rankings a little too much honestly um, yeah, it's on just on Iowa to win. Yeah, like, and if this does turn out to be a really good Iowa State team in the top three of uh, the Big Twelve, then that'll be reflected appropriately in the college football ranking playoff rankings. Like, that's what that committee is for: is to go super deep on the teams that have a chance of being in the playoff. And to me, I'm not necessarily concerned with it. Kirk Ferentz's stated goal every year is to win the Big Ten. Been a while since that's happened, but uh, that's why I think ultimately the the benefit of this game, to your point, Max, uh, earlier, just like when there's 150,000 people from all across the state, people coming from uh, different locations to, to see it, Tyler Cook, all those Iowa State players coming back. Like, I mean, there's something that is not necessarily tangible, but I I think that if both teams are good, it's worth having, and it's just about continuing to build that credibility. And even if both teams aren't good, then, you know, I I think it's what it is. Kirk hasn't lost to a bad Iowa State team in a while. Like, I mean, I think that's also the thing. It's been five years since he's lost at all. 
uh, you know that Iowa State team's redundant, but I'm yeah. So <laughs> I was oh. gonna say so. Yeah, the last time that he lost to Iowa State it was a bad Iowa State team. Was it 2014? How many yeah. wins did they have? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Tyre Cook tweet. I don't know if you guys have seen it. We'll put it. In I the saw him here. all around the uh, the game. It was weird. That I watched the Tyre Cook tweet as much as I watched any highlights. That was fucking all. That was luxury trolling at its finest. Well done. I loved it. And wearing his own jersey too. Amazing. Yeah, no. So cool. <laughs> that was I love so, that so much. It was so weird. The only other time I've ever seen somebody wear, I'm sure it's happened. The only other time I can remember a player wearing his own jersey out in public is um, Giannis does it a lot. Wait, what? Doesn't Giannis on? Uh, I'm not going to try and try and pronounce his last name. Giannis wears his jersey like out in public, like his own jersey. Oh, I respect that so much. Uh, I've never heard I'm, that, but that's awesome. I'm pretty sure it's him. I'll go on Instagram right now while you talk this out yeah so max you said you saw him all over what was did you interact with him or like was there anything you you gathered from just seeing him around no he was just walking around by himself like through the tailgate a lot and maybe like some point i think he was with an uh uh what iowa state basketball player was he with i don't recall but um at one point he was with an iowa state basketball player but i saw him like three times just casually walking around by himself it was just like, what are you doing? Like, in your own jersey, like, and in his own jersey. I think it's funny, funny as hell. But it was just like you're just kind of walking around in your own jersey, going nowhere. What's going on? He's soaking it all in. Like oh, I, I always wonder. George, but not that it matters. Ah, uh, okay. It's Paul George, which is super Paul George. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know how I got those two mixed up. Yeah, same person, really. I mean, yeah. It's about as far as my best NBA knowledge goes. Sorry, you guys had a good conversation going on real with it. No, but I mean, I think it was just him enjoying it. Like, he probably has, well, maybe he's done it in Iowa City, but I think he, you know, not being an, a student athlete anymore, he's able to enjoy kind of the, the fruits of life a little more. Uh, not that he was getting crazy or anything, but I think he was just able to really embrace uh, something that he might not have been able to embrace before, uh, especially kind of over in Ames. Yeah, and I think that you know the, the the you know the reputation that he had and the way people felt about him when he was at Iowa kind of you know really limited his ability to go do fun stuff like that. Um, although I think people would have liked him a lot more if they did see him doing that. Actually, probably not. They would have said that he was, you know, not practicing in the gym or something like that. Yeah, I, it, it felt like he just couldn't win at some points. But I am very happy for him uh, now that we're on kind of some Tyler Cook discussion. Seeing him in Denver get that two-way contract a couple um, weeks or months ago, probably at this point. Like, just feel feel like he made the right decision leaving, especially uh, now that he is back trolling, luxury trolling as uh, Ben said, um, with regard to that. Uh, I guess, uh, is there? we did mention the Michigan State game, Max. Let's go ahead and clue you in here. Um, Michigan Was this the Arizona State game? Yeah. Okay, I did, I did see that. When I, after I said that and I thought about it, I, was, I remembered that they played Arizona State, and I did see this. Yeah, so having 12 men on the field for a field goal, <laughs> how's that happen? Mm-hmm. Makes it, they have to go back, review it. Misses it in the worst way imaginable. I didn't realize he had missed two other field goals before that either. 
until I, I saw a stat this I morning. Well, I mean, is this really a surprise that a Mark D'Antonio team isn't disciplined? Bang. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people forget how disciplined <laughs> he's his, never disciplined anybody. Are. Correct. I, I, the gap between someone's reputation <laughs> and the actual uh, performance on the field and off the field is just remarkable. There is no one more undeserving of his praise in terms of being a disciplinarian than Mark D'Antonio. Ridiculous. Uh, that's I, Those are only the highlights I saw from the Michigan State game. Heldino Benjamin. Uh, not that that matters. I didn't see anything that happened in the Temple Maryland game. Did you guys? Uh, I saw that Maryland lost. That's all I saw, yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah, only, I've only seen the score. That's it. I didn't see a whole lot of things that happened on Saturday being out and about as yeah, much as I, guess I was. You wouldn't. Um, did you see anything in that game, Harrison? We were we were privy to watching a lot of Minnesota football. My favorite. Uh, only good thing I can say about the Gophers is those are really cool helmets. Really, really cool. Hello. What What did they? Uh... They just they had just a big dumb outline of Goldie grinning. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I don't hate that. I'm a I'm a big fan. It's fun. As someone who fucking hates, I was actually watching with a Minnesota fan. Was in town um, visiting for the weekend, and he wouldn't shut the fuck. He didn't even go to Minnesota, uh, but he he's from so where I am from. Um, so can I uh, can I really quickly heap some praise onto Minnesota fans? I mean, yeah, I used they're to not, be one. They're not that bad. They don't care at all about anything. Oh, no, they don't give a flying, because they suck at everything. They don't, yeah, they don't give a flying fuck about anything, because they've never had a good team other than hockey. Yeah, I, they never talk about anything, and when you trip back at them, they just go, yeah. I mean, yeah, they have nowhere, awesome. nowhere to, they, they, they chant who hates Iowa, we hate Iowa at every single football game, no matter who they're playing. That is little brother syndrome. Yeah. That's I've, what that is. That's I've gotten that a few times because I wear an Iowa jacket to work fairly often. And so people are always like, who hates Iowa? And I usually just respond, Me. nobody who matters. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's actually most pretty days. funny if you can get the co- uh, if your coworkers are able to make, make that happen at you. I wore my Iowa polo with pride at the office on Friday and nobody said a single fucking thing. I got a ghost state earlier this week. Uh, or last oh. week. Last now. And I was just like, huh, fascinating. Uh, I went for a jog this morning in Chicago, and somebody was wearing all Iowa t-shirt, Iowa hat, Iowa shorts, and I, gave, I yelled to go Hawks, and we high-fived while I ran past them. That was a, ah, best feeling. Love it. The, the drive-by fives. Nothing yeah. better. It was, it was while great. we're on Minnesota, I, I had, they've You love got, Minnesota. Um, they've got a margin of... 13 points over South Dakota State, <laughs> Fresno State, and Georgia Southern. So this is either the makings of a team that's going to get really bad really fast, or, or they are... destiny. Yeah, like, uh, ugh. They're going to go 7-0. What seven if they're 2009, they're 2009 Iowa? I'm, they're convinced. I'm going to pull up their schedule right now, because... Uh, Purdue this week, or no, next week. Purdue, who is looking like horrible... Looking like ass. Yeah, they, they look bad, Ooh, which means that they're yeah. going to beat Iowa by about 21, but that's beside oh. the point. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that yet. Right. Uh, <laughs> Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. I mean, oh, God. They could like, go 7-0. They, they, could, they could go 8-0. <laughs> yeah, because oh, Michigan's the uh, last game of that stretch, right? And Michigan could be really bad. 
No, Maryland is a lot is so it's Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. Do we think Maryland is the team that played the first two weeks or the team that played Temple? Probably the team that played Temple, honestly. I would say more that team. I think yeah. Syracuse was critically overranked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that'll be interesting. Uh Maryland to your point. But then sorry, I'm all over the place. The Minnesota schedule ramps up. Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin to finish the season, and I mean Penn State. Penn State needed uh, didn't pit fuck up didn't pit fuck up um, clock two at the half. Yeah. So Penn State, I think this is the Penn State team. I've been Jerry fucking loves Penn State. I don't know why, but I've always said I've always been a James Franklin truther since day one, and Pitt is not good. Pitt is no. not good. That Pitt I don't know is how to as they say Pitt. shit. Yeah, um, and so I and I think there was bad weather too that might have affected the game. But I think this is the, I mean they beat Pitt by I think they beat Pitt seventy to nothing last year, um, mm-hmm. and they needed Pitt to mis, uh, mismanage the clock in order to come out come out with a win this year. So I think Penn State could be pretty fake too. The only and- teams that I think are for real are, and I hate to say it because this happens every year, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Hard agree. Yeah. Every other team is fake. I thought Michigan State was the real deal until they're not. Um, That Michigan State, though, like, their offense was horrible against Tulsa. It's like Iowa. It was. Yeah. Not like Iowa passed. Excuse me. Well, and Iowa. And maybe Iowa current. Yeah. It's hard to say. But I mean, hey, and I I haven't been on the pod all season. This is the first time. And I will eat crow so far against Rutgers. And Miami, Ohio, the offense looked good. It but, did. Yeah. It That's... got to 400 yards. I know yeah. those don't count for anything, but like that was something I looked up for the um, double reverse that Jordan and I do every week. When Iowa gets to 400 yards, you know, pretty good. They're probably going to win. What's what's the stat behind that? I read it this week. Was it? I don't remember what the stat was though. Yeah, so they, uh, what was the, I think it was like 28 and 4 when they get over 400. The How long three did games. Look that up? Not that What's long. What's the time period? Uh, since 2014. So they oh. lost three games over 400 yards in 2014. So was the offense really a problem? We'll come back to that later. And then they <laughs> lost the Wisconsin game last year. Uh, I I felt like being sad like Max uh, at work on Thursday or Friday and I looked up the box score of that Wisconsin game for some reason we were crushing them yeah ugh yeah I mean I I almost wonder if this is like if you're an Iowa State fan if that's the sense that you have uh, with Iowa right now is like Uh, they didn't dominate us in really anything I mean they might say they did um, yeah, I made the mistake of reading Iowa State fan takes on this game, and uh, they basically said that Iowa stole one because of the weather delay, because of the wet, bad conditions, because of whatever. They just blamed anything they could. I wasn't. I did not get the satisfaction I was hoping for uh, in terms of Schadenfreude uh, reading blog out basement and uh, other tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they look at it, if you look at, I mean, if you're an Iowa State fan looking at this game, 
this time next year, like you just did with the Wisconsin box score, you see 418 yards versus 313, and you just kind of go down, and then you see, oh, two turnovers, that was it. Because, I mean, that was the Wisconsin game for, for Iowa. They had those right. two yeah, horrible turnovers. Right. Um, yeah. But, like, even you look exact at... Same like, punting, exact same punting, the exact same punt uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Purdy different senior? time. Purdy, Purdy's no, a he's a sophomore. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he is very good, but I, I'm i still skeptical of of uh, Iowa State's offense. Not that we I, need to bring it back around. I will say I'm incredibly proud that Iowa State is using the same quarterback that uh, they used last year, this year. No. Honestly. No. Honestly. <laughs> they never do. They Kyle Kemp started against Iowa last oh, yeah. year. We didn't play yeah. her pretty last year, but... Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying that he started against Iowa last year, but oh, okay. Had, okay. by this point, you know, they've already changed quarterbacks like Jacob yeah. Park to whoever, to whoever, to whoever. Yeah, silly yeah. stuff. Anyways, any any lasting or last uh, takes before we kind of head into bye week? Um, I did find that stat really quickly about the plays that Iowa's faced this year, um, if you'd like to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this was Cackert and Morehouse going back and forth on Twitter. But um, So Morehouse did say the 13 players on defense thing. Uh, and Cackert jumped in saying that again, against Miami, Ohio, 52 plays. Against Rutgers, 49. And 55 against Iowa State. 49 plays for Rutgers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, Morehouse came back with that comes up in op- opponents' punts per play. Iowa's number four in the country at point one three, and Wisconsin's number one. Oof. That's what's that Wisconsin. Makes me feel good. Iowa's point one three. What's Wisconsin's number? Point one six. That's pretty negligible. That's a sexy stat. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I thought that this would might have to print that one off. Pun- talk. Did uh, Morehouse tweet which thirteen defensive players played? Uh, no, he just said they played thirteen players on defense in the bye weeks at the right time. The bye week is at the right time. Yeah, even it might be slightly better if it was after Middle Tennessee, but I, I'm very happy it's right now. I can't believe. I look at the schedule going into the season. I was very mad that we had a bye week, week three. Uh, now this is the double buy this year. We right? have two buys yep. this year, uh, yeah. and also part of the reason we didn't talk about this that I was convinced that they're going to cancel the game is because Iowa and Iowa State have a buy in November on the same weekend. That would have been brutal. Oh yes. yeah, that would have been so I, bad for Iowa. If these teams actually played in November and they just completely scrapped the first game and redid it on, in November, do you think the outcome's the same? I, Iowa wins. I, I can't say. I have no idea how we're going to be playing football. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the myth or whatever. We've discussed this before that Iowa gets stronger as the season goes on. Yeah. But I mean, that's, um, every, that's how every good college football program operates. Yeah. But uh, and Iowa State the last couple of years has finished strong. So That's true. You know. what is I Iowa think State? you probably would have seen a better game. Yeah. Without question. Um, but I'm I'm not sure if it would have changed it. Like watching the game back as like a its own story versus the weird story from yesterday. It felt like they were two very even teams. One of them, Iowa, felt like they were making more clutch plays. Um, Iowa State pulled out all the stops to try and get the win. Didn't really matter ultimately because uh, like outside of that, they didn't score. They had one sustained drive um, that resulted in points. Uh, so, 
I don't know. I think it would be an interesting thought experiment, but I I would not have wanted to have that by get eaten up by no. the Iowa State game in another week of this. Nope. Um, also, the it was the starters and Schulte and Amani Jones. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was at 13. And then, uh, what's his name? So no uh, defensive back defensive rotation, rotation simply can't. No, Geno Smith didn't miss a play, right? Geno Stone. Yeah, they, uh, yeah it's Geno, Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Yeah, because I did. I took that. Uh, now we're like going back through the one note I took from uh, the game was I thought that it was seven fifty six in the fourth, third and eight, and Iowa State had to call a timeout because they didn't like what was set up on the field. Uh, instead, I that, you. Yeah. Stone was injured. That timeout allowed him to get back on, and that was one of the handful of plays where Epinesa made his presence known. He got to the quarterback quick, uh, got his hands up, forced an overthrow, and that was the fun play from Ojemudia where he jumped up with his hands down at his side <laughs> when he realized how little a chance he had at catching it and the wide receiver had at catching it. Um, I had something else written down, and now I can't remember well, it wasn't written down in my mind, and now it's gone. Okay, well, These I guess on that happen. note. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, who does Iowa State have next week? That's what I was going to ask. They uh, have no Ulm, Louisiana Monroe. Oh, yeah, that's oh. right. Oh. And so. then when does their Big 12 schedule start? Who do they, who do they start with? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, they, oh, ooh, Baylor and then TCU. Is Baylor good again? I was ooing because I thought TCU is the next oh. game, and they are ranked 25th now. Um, yeah, so we'll I mean, see. Yeah, it's Gary Patterson's the coach, right? He might have, I mean, you got to trust him. They had a couple off years. I mean, this is actually pretty weeks late, if you ask me. Uh, favorable for Iowa State, TCU at home. They could squeak by at West Virginia. West Virginia sucks. Texas Tech sucks. Oklahoma State might be good. Then Oklahoma, Texas. KU might not be a uh, wash anymore. They f- smoked Boston College, even though A.J. Dillon had, who I can't believe is still playing. Uh, AJ Dillon, feels like 100 years ago he was a freshman. He, oh, my he had God. A, I think he had 250 rushing yards uh, yesterday, and they lost. How mad would you be? I, to lose by 24 points, I'd be like, what am I even doing here? Yeah. Lose to Kansas at home. You got that guy up in the paper of che- or up in the bleachers of Chestnut Hill reading his paper. Probably just doesn't want to go home to his wife or make a sad meal. <laughs> go to Southie. A.J. Dillon had 151 rushing yards still. On 27 carries. Amazing. <sighs> Poor guy. I know. I know. Sad. Yeah, but I mean Iowa State, they have a chance. They have a chance. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're really targeting that Iowa State Texas game, uh, hoping that they have just the one loss on their conference schedule, Oklahoma, the prior week. Uh, that was something I saw on the boards even before the season. They're like, ah, oh, can we be seven and one going into Texas? One loss being no, you can't. Uh, Oklahoma. Nah, saw fam. Of, nope. Saw a lot of eight and zero oh, actually. I'm oh eight and zero. Oh yeah, <laughs> just going just into Oklahoma, again. we'll be eight and zero oh going into the uh, Texas game. Well, Oklahoma's 
going to win the Big 12 this year, so what the, why, why are they even talking about that? Oh, my God. Gotta give him did, you, did you ever bet on Jalen Hurts? That was our last podcast, the, the lost podcast. I got him at 80-1, to 1, I believe. Not, not 80-1, to 18-1. to 1. Okay. Oh, yeah, 80 to 1. 80 to 1. That would have, oh, man. 80 to 1, I bet the Detroit Just Lions print money. from the NFC North was my 80 to 1 bet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are laughing, but like. They're 2 and 0, right? Uh, no, they're 1 0 oh, and 1. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got me there. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think Minnesota's going to do anything with Kirk Cousins. The Bears aren't going to do anything with Mitch Trubisky. And Aaron Rodgers is one ankle away from fucking things up, so. It's a Lions for the taken. The NFC North. I'll go with it. Potentially, potentially. Well, I think it, it's probably time to, yeah, to call it, don't you good. say, guys? Yeah. Uh, alrighty. Uh, for so long farewell. If you want to drive a bus, go to state. If you want to drive a bus, go to state. If you want to drive a bus, if you want to work for us, if you want to drive a bus, go to state. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. You heard me. You heard me.